welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast, already in progress. This week, we ask and answer the single most important question of our time. What would happen if you ate an 11-year-old box of Neopets Island Berry Crunch cereal, hmm? We know you paid for an entire seat, but you'll only need the edge of it. And now, here are the only podcast hosts who will turn your milk purple every time. Allison Goldberg and Lindsay Ford. Hi friends, I'm Allie. And I'm Lindsay, and welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. We're also... We're also joined by Matt. Tell everybody hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. No, shut up, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh. Guys, we have a very exciting episode today, and I couldn't sleep. I was so excited. JK, I couldn't sleep because I have insomnia, but I'm so excited about this episode. My God, yes. I've been talking about this for so long. I've been screenshotting images to Lindsay for months, and then we Years, found out there's even. a whole community around it. Wow, Friends. wow, 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 wow. Tell them, Lindsay, tell them. I mean, this is the episode where we become serial. No, I'm just kidding. We're not following somebody who may or may not have killed their girlfriend. Today, we are talking about the breakfast food of your youth and maybe your present if you're a grown man that is getting matched with Allie on any of these dating sites. Yeah. Okay. I think longtime listeners already know I have a theory that most men are made primarily of cereal. I think if no one is watching a man... He's eating cereal. I think like if you're not having a meal out with him, he's at home being like, well, I could just have cereal. And my theory is just really coming together. And I think my my hypothesis is proven with this episode because we are speaking. It hasn't even happened yet. I know, right? It's crazy. I researched our guest, okay? And he said he eats cereal four times a day. Friends, there are only three meals in a day. Our guest is just the most honest man out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's incredible. Okay. I, I, I'm so excited. I have, to, you know, and we got a review once that um, Allie's enthusiasm can't be contained, but my God, her voice is annoying. So I'm going to suffer. So I'm paraphrasing, but it was listen. mostly that. So Lindsay, <laughs> take it away. Tell them what's happening today. Well, I am also very, very, very excited because our guest, Dan, has somehow figured out how to make cereal, which is mo- for most people a-, a passing way of eating in the morning. But for him, for some- cereal is life. Yeah. Like all men. For some people, it is, you know, a-, a passion from childhood. But for Dan, it is now literally a way of life. It, 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 is amazing. And there are so many things that I think about when I think about cereal, but mostly it's, you know, childhood. Like I remember 
you know, the cereals that you beg for that your parents won't let you get. You get the the Halloween box cereals where you're like, ooh, am I going to get the Frankenstein box or the Booberry Ghost box? I don't know, <laughs> you know, because you can only get one sugary cereal or, you know, sending away for things in the mail. I literally am old enough to have done that, friends. Mm-hmm. I saved up and I got like CDs in the mail <laughs> from Kellogg's box tops. Box it's tops, wild. Baby. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's there's so much more to cereal, apparently, and Dan's going to yeah. tell us all about it. You're tapping into There's a culture here. There's sweepstakes. There's toys. There's uh, cereal is the happy meal of, of home breakfast time. Like, it's not just food. I think that's where this nostalgia is coming from. Honestly, when perhaps. I'm sad, I either want matzo ball soup or Lucky Charms. It's one or mm-hmm. the other. Mm-hmm. But right now so pour he, the pour the lucky put the marshmallows in the matzo ball soup that's disgusting. what i disgusting okay i can't even that's so <laughs> gross but so our guest today runs a website serialistly and he breaks <laughs> serial pause, that's pause just the website pause for, for Ali's <laughs> silent <laughs> judgment that it's not seriously yeah, but, but i think no, it makes honestly, sense that it's with the l you have to put I the l i had to like think about how to say it really i was just <laughs> mm-hmm. trying reminder insomnia i have to think about so every now and then i think before i speak it happens once in a thousand years so you should really appreciate this but he runs a website about cereal and he breaks cereal news and then he has a cereal podcast that's like meditative and they like they talk about cereal like this and they talk about the marshmallows (laughs) and the and the monsters and it's very Here's the and thing. it's huge ali it's could huge. never be on this podcast about the serial meditation because she gets so <laughs> excited that it would just Wait, wake Lindsay, you the fuck up <laughs> Lindsay, is that why i don't sleep at night i'm just talking to myself really excited oh my god you know, what I if your inner this. voice could do is it. so disruptive that it's not letting you sleep screaming at all times <laughs> Oh, man. So I can't wait. I can't wait. We're so excited for today's guest who came to us via a connection and suggestion from our Discord group from Street Lamp Kid. Thank you so much. We love it when our listeners give us awesome leads on people we can have on the show. So Honestly, thank you. it makes my life so much easier. So much mm. easier. I don't, you know. We don't want to look for guests. We want them to we want them to fall in our laps. So go to discord.gg slash 2G1P. You can tweet at me at Allie underscore Goldie. I'm the Lindsay Life across all, across all platforms. <laughs> Speaking of the, the way that they do their the Empty Bowl podcast, it's, it is. They're just trying to be very meditative and like very calming, even though they're speaking about some things that they're obviously excited about. And I'm wondering if there's a space to talk about cereal like it's a mystery. I walked into the store and it's not meditative. It's more like NPR-like where you're figuring out the mystery and it's just called cereal, spelled mm-hmm. like cereal, but modeled after cereal. Are you into it? Did I lose um, everyone? I am with you. No, no, no. I am we're with fully you. committed to this. Yeah. I am into it. I am ready. What's what? What cases are you cracking? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, because I'm sure that you know what I mean. That's yeah. I'm in. I'm in. You know what? You know what? I mean, and we have to talk to Dan about this. But the case that we could do first is how Topanga's husband had shrimp tails in his cinnamon mm. toast crunch. 
that's true. That's true. A viral yeah. story. Yes. Would you like to fill in our listeners on that tale? Okay, friends. So there's this man who's a writer or something, but I think most importantly, he's married to Topanga from Boy Meets World. And most importantly, he's married to a woman. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> the, it's going to give him longer played life. played Topanga on, it, that's Boy not her actual World. name. Is that no, right? no, that's not her actual name. Okay. No, that's her okay. character name. God, I mean, is I think her real name's Danielle, Danielle Fisher? Fisher. But like, Fischl. if she had Fischl said Fischl. with an L, if we had said that, would you have known? Would anybody know? No, no, I think just the act, the actor Danielle who played Topanga. You know, just some clarity here. Oh, I, I just love that women are always <laughs> described in relation to their men. So I enjoyed Lindsay's description of him <laughs> in relation and to also, his wife. Yes, I know her name is Danielle Fischel, and I still don't know his actual name. So he's married to Danielle Fischel, he's who fish, played Topanga. He's fishtail shrimp, fish shrimp guy. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, that's he's, funny, too. <laughs> yeah. So Mr. Danielle Fischel has sparked controversy on the internet because in his box of CTC, he found two sugar-cinnamoned... <laughs> I'm sorry. Tales? I love that you just said CTC, but I do feel like you need to say for our listeners which cereal it's, you're talking about. What? That's like saying like ATM. Friends, if you yeah. have ever eaten cereal, CTC is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Girl, we Catch have up. a lot of international uh, listeners. I don't know that that was flying. No, I thought you were talking about, because I refresh the CTC website all the time for mask guide, guidance and make to make sure that I'm, I'm That's getting vaccinated. Oh, no. Uh, you're you're no sugaring wonder. your face with cinnamon no and sugar. No wonder I have COVID. <laughs> Okay, Joe Rogan. Um, so, <laughs> friends, this man has posted the internet that he had shrimp tails in his Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And everyone is like, what? This is a hoax. Because apparently he's a comedian. Again, I've never laughed at anything he said, so I don't know. <laughs> but he, there is so much controversy online. And then after he became shrimp tails, Cinnamon Toast Shrimp Tails guy, he got me too. It's like wild. So Ooh, okay. this dude, it was but, just like a classic internet tale, right? It reminded like right? Ken Bone. You know what I mean? The internet <laughs> like goes nuts about it. Then they dig into his backstory and wah wah. They're wah. like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> wah wah wah. But you know, so there's a lot. There's a lot going on. But that is definitely. The the season long serial podcast that we are going to do. Right. Look out for that coming from me, Ali, <laughs> the and investigative Matt in the near what was the or resolution distant future. Of that though, that what, what did, we don't. Did, uh, you have to listen to the whole podcast, Matt, to find out. Oh, oh sorry, I didn't want to spoil. <laughs> We're going to be recording me. from inside a freezer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. It's going to be chilly. But yeah, we could become investigative the journalists. The warming isn't real. Why is this freezer so cold? All <laughs> <laughs> righty. Climate change. That's why we have to use the right words. Climate change and community immunity. I mean, yeah, there you go. I, I mean, like I'm that. with you. I'm with you. Yep. Yeah. Favorite cereal, go. Oh. <gasps> Well, I already Ooh. told you, Lucky Charms. Lucky, Lucky Charms wow. in My Matzo Ball Irish soup. roommate yep. go, has uh, Lindsay, never had Lucky Charms. What? <laughs> <laughs> we talked about I it last night. This. 
Uh, it is this, the food actually. of his people, right? Lucky Charms and potatoes. <laughs> is that a problem? <laughs> potatoes were imported, Ooh. and you so were Lucky canceled. Charms. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that my favorite. I, here's the thing: I honestly love cereal, and in like a just. In the face of my people, I ignore the fact that we are lactose intolerant, and I love milk. Mm. So wait, in the I face mean, of my people, wait, are black people notoriously lactose intolerant? Because so are the Jews. Yeah, girl. Oh, yeah, look you at know that. what? So lactose are all humans. Bring <laughs> us together. <laughs> That's thing. true. That's true. Ain't none of us should so be drinking milk. So when you said milk, my yeah. people, you just meant people. No, no, I meant black people. Okay, but all people lactose. Okay, anyway, that's cool. Uh, but mm-hmm. Lindsay, why don't you do a milk alternative? I'm loving oat milk. Loving it. I love oat milk too. Mm-hmm. I love oat milk too. I do. And as soon as I drink regular milk, I'm like, damn, this is so good. Uh, but <laughs> I, I do usually drink oat milk. But anyway, the cereals that I love are the ones that change your milk. Mm. Mm-hmm. Apple Jacks, mm-hmm. yum, yum, yum. CTC, delicioso. Wait, what um, doesn't change the milk? Uh, like and isn't checks, it like checks milk doesn't bar change the or milk? something has an ice cream that is cereal milk? Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm, mm-hmm. It's yeah. very good. But I also really like, um, I don't even know if they make it anymore because I'm an adult and I should not drink sugar for breakfast, but uh, there was like a golden honey crisp waffle cereal. Oh, it was so good. Is it cereal so good. as big in other countries? Is this a uniquely American thing? I don't know. It's a great question. Yeah. Let's we'll have ask to ask Dan. Dan that. I really want to know. Is this why Americans all have diabetes? Because <laughs> we're having sugar for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> but also, Dan and I disagree. I don't really enjoy peanut butter as like a flavor, and I think he really, well, really that's weird, Lindsay. Mm. You're alone peanut. on that one. You know, I don't dislike it. It's like peanut butter, strawberries, and like I get it, I'll eat it, but it's like I'm not seeking it out. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, did y'all know that uh, Kellogg, the creator of Kellogg's, was a massive eugenicist and an all-around <laughs> psycho? Did you guys know that? I actually psycho. did know that because I was super into Tony the Tiger, and then uh, like I, you and Matt, you know who people. else is into Tony? Yeah, a lot of people are into Tony Tiger. I mean, Tony the Tiger, furry hot. situation. Here's yeah. the thing: I think I I think everyone is the same, and like when you're a child. You are into that fox from Robin Hood. You are in, I mean, I know that's just me, but also everybody else. You're into Tony the Tiger and you're into Smokey the Bear. Like these three. Honestly, our furry listeners are are feeling you right now. You had me at the first two. I'm, I, mm, you weren't into Smokey the Bear. Only you can prevent forest fires. There's a fire in my heart for you. There's a lot of. Things that need to happen to prevent forest fires. So, yes. again, uh, well, so putting the, the bear. <laughs> I would, I would fuck Smokey the Bear. Like, oh, that uh, hat. Let's go, Rangers. Wow. <laughs> and we'll really leave it there. <laughs> feelings, feelings on Captain Crunch. And side note, personal trivia. Mm-hmm. I've met Captain Crunch. And, okay, what does uh, that mean? That doesn't but, make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Crunch is delicious, number one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, hey, wait, on, how did you meet? Define on a meeting. Show, on a show that I used to host, we had the opportunity. We, we brought on some occasional public figures and notable people, and among them was 
Captain Crunch, like a person dressed in the mascot costume of Captain Crunch. And we did a, an episode about cereal and Captain okay, Crunch so never said a word. Meet oh. Captain, Captain Crunch. He met a random man wearing a mascot suit. As far as I'm concerned, it was the real Captain Crunch. All right. Captain Crunch. Who's going to tell Matt about the Easter yeah, Bunny? And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. That was so, just okay. your Uncle Ronnie. <laughs> you know how um, furries are really into, for instance, Tony the Tiger? I wonder if there's also a community of people who are just like into mascots generally, such as Captain hmm. Crunch. Uh-huh. This mm-hmm. is something we yeah. will need to research further. Anyway, I'm excited to hear what serial trivia Matt has for us today. Speaking of Captain Crunch, I'm going to bring you back to a year that I like to call 1971. Ooh, Boxes I've never of heard Captain of it. Crunch. Other people yeah, call it 1972. I call it 71. Boxes of Captain Crunch cereal came with a free whistle inside. It was called the Bosun Whistle. And it was a toy for kids to pretend, I guess, that they were on a ship with Captain Crunch. A bosun is like a, you know, a matey, first mate or something on a ship. Except there was something very special about this toy whistle, especially when it fell into the hands of enterprising kids and adults. What special power did this Captain Crunch whistle have? I have three choices. A. In addition to audible frequencies, the whistle emitted higher frequencies inaudible to human ears, but sweet, sweet music to dogs. One kid was able to use the whistle to locate 14 lost dogs from his neighborhood, and the discovery (laughs) completely revolutionized the animal rescue industry. That is choice A. Choice B. The whistle could only be heard by kids under 12 years old and was completely (laughs) inaudible to their parents and teachers. This led to a wave of complaints and letters claiming the whistles were defective. Then when a local Ohio newspaper covered the story, it caught the attention of audiologists and the whistle's frequency range led to major neurology breakthroughs and it is widely credited as the research origin of modern hearing aids. That is choice B. There's a YouTube video. That's like the video? Laurel Yanny thing. What? Mm, mm-hmm. What does that like, remind me? When you go to the internet and it pronounces the word for you, uh-huh. the word Laurel, some yeah. people hear Yanny because of the frequency that it's coming oh. out in. Like if your ears are, like usually it's younger people have healthier yeah. ears, but my parents both heard Yanny instead of Laurel, so they have good ears. No, there's a YouTube video you can listen to that's really interesting where it plays you frequencies and says, if you're this age, you can hear this. If you're this age, you can hear this. And at a certain <gasps> point, like at your age, you can't hear it anymore. Yep. What? That's crazy. Yeah. So like little kids, yeah, little kids can hear the whole thing, but it'll, do you'll, that right it'll after drop this. out at your age. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting because we can't hear as high of frequencies. Anyway, go on. We're all going to die. Anyway, choice C. <laughs> this The whistle could mimic the tones used by phone systems, allowing hackers to bypass phone tolls and make free calls around the world. It's what that was one. With the Cap'n Crunch whistle. You're going with C? I'm going with C. Well, or A, because A was very intricate and specific. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, dog whistles, so that, like, makes sense. They all be make so some cute. sense. Yeah, they're they're all... Good job, Matt. This was good. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) We'll keep you. (laughs) 
Uh, all right, what do you do? Which one are you sticking with, Lindsay? I think I'm gonna go with hackers. That's fun. All right, then I'll go with A. Allie goes with dog whistles. Lindsay goes with the phone hackers. We will find out the correct answer after this commercial break. The following people are just as sweet as a bowl of milk after Lucky Charms. Thank you for supporting us at the $10 or more level. Patreon.com slash 2G1P. Wesley Cordell. Jerry Duran. Jessica Fox. Kathy Phillips. Matthew Scott. Melissa Elliott. And William. Meow. That's Patreon.com slash 2G1P. Entitled, I Need a Wig, Wilmington, North Carolina, from the Hair Club for Everybody, Craigslist. I need a wig. I have DUI court on the 14th and... I got drunk and watched Last of the Mohicans and ran into the bathroom and gave myself a mohawk. I refuse to cut it off, but I can't go to court with a fucking mohawk, so anyone have a wig? I don't care how ridiculous it is. Tell me your price. This is not a joke. Honestly, I've got I've got a whole uh, box of wigs to lend. I, I really do. I have a whole box. I've got so I many do wigs. Too. Yeah, I, I have a blue one. It's it is Ugh, blue, I love but wigs. it's a very I good love cut. It. Honestly, yeah. though, I feel like a mohawk might be better than a blue wig. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, court, you know, yeah. she said she didn't care how ridiculous it was. So <laughs> it's a very respectable lob, a long bob, and and yeah, it's blue, but whatever. All righty. Is it trivia time? It's trivia time. What was going on with the bosun whistle that you could get out of a 1971 box of Captain Crunch? Ali said that uh, it changed dog wrangling or dog rescue because it would lure dogs. And kids found this out. Uh, nobody chose B, that uh, it, it, it led to the modern hearing aid because of frequency differences between adults and kids. Or C, uh, Lindsay chose this, that the whistle could mimic phone system tones. That Wait, would it allow led free to the calls. hearing aid? That's yeah, that was choice B. Wait, can I switch to B? You can, you can switch. It's up to I'm you. switching to B. I'm switching to B. I oh, hope it's wow, not hearing last minute me, uh, cereal box me, hearing uh, aids. uncap my pen here. Okay. There we go. And uh, <laughs> writing this down, crossing out, recapping. Thanks. I'll put those sound effects in later. Um, all right. So that now nobody is choosing C, that it could mimic the phone system tones and allow hackers to make free phone calls. No one's go- No one's going with that one. Ready? Mm-hmm. The answer is C. Oh, God damn it. I've never gotten one right. I've never gotten one Lindsay, right. Lindsay, you were this so the time. close. You were so, so close. close. You know, I'm just sorry. trying to bat a thousand the wrong way. <laughs> and I uh, hope I never get one. Just kidding. Right. I hate losing. <laughs> a hacker named John Draper, not to be confused with Don <laughs> Draper from Mad Men. Great show. If you had put uh, that in there, I still wouldn't have chosen it. Uh, I would have right, chosen it like even less likely. Mislead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
this this is this he became a known guy uh he discovered the that the captain crunch whistle could replicate the tonal sequences used by phone companies to put calls through uh, including like long distance calls and such uh these early hackers this is the 70s so really before computers were ever in homes or net were certainly not networked uh commercially uh so these were but these were known as hackers they were called phone freaks uh p-h-r-e-a-k-s freaks and draper became known as captain crunch or the crunch man he later used the whistle tones the frequencies to build a blue box i don't know exactly how the blue box worked but it sounds like an electronic version of the whistle that you could attach to a phone or set next to a phone to then make these free calls. Uh, Draper soon came to the attention of two college roommates at UC Berkeley. Their names were Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. That's why I knew about this. Okay, I think he. I think Wozniak was into the phone freaking as well. Yeah, Uh, Jobs and Wozniak turned the blue box technology into their first business venture. So this is obviously pre Apple. Jobs and Wozniak were like, yeah, we could we could make this into something. I I I didn't get much further along in that in the research, but like uh, this was like probably illegal or against the rules. So I don't (laughs) I I presume this business of like manufacturing ways to cheat phone companies out of out of money was was not successful or it was illegal. But anyway, it it is sort of how that technology stuff came together in the 70s and and obviously went on to, to other things. Draper is is still a known figure. I believe he's still alive. And he's just like this nomadic, wandering techno guy who lives, you know, in the woods and then does weird techno shit. I don't know. But uh I bet we apparently can find he him. smelled bad. Jo- oh, Jobs no. and Wozniak were like, this guy's weird, but he uh he can hack phones, so let's let's get into business. <laughs> well that was some great trivia. And it's time to learn way more trivia about cereal. That transition was mediocre, but sticking with it. We are super excited to welcome our guest who has a website called Serialously.net and who has a podcast called The Empty Bowl, where they talk about cereal and the like. Please, everyone, welcome Dan Goubert. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Do you only talk like that? Is this the thing? Is this what's happening? I think it's just incidental. It's I talk like this and then everything else just followed. Yeah. Because it's very relaxing. And I listened to your podcast last night and I was very uh, relaxed and confused. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I thought that sometimes I felt like you, like both of you were holding in your excitement for some things. Yeah. Like, like Mm. you're too excited, but you're like, okay, this is a serial meditation podcast so let's talk calmly but maybe you are the calming presence that everyone needs on their podcast because lord knows neither ali nor i are calming so (laughs) yeah i mean it's almost like pavlovian instinct at this point that when i'm in front of a podcasting microphone it just slows everything down lowers everything down (laughs) have you done any ASMR with cereal? I feel like it would be very jarring, actually. Like you know, no, I have not. Really sweet, and then like a lot of a lot of loud crunching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was one 
this other cereal podcast that I guested on where they actually do eat cereal while they're doing it. And they invited <laughs> me to do the same. And it was just a very weird experience. I actually never went back and listened to it just because I'm afraid of the consequences. <laughs> you know, honestly, that sounds like my full on nightmare. Mm -hmm. The sound of other people's <laughs> mastication literally puts me into a murderous rage. Like I can't be around people eating if I'm not also eating because I just hate it. <laughs> well, there's a name for that. I think it's like misophonia. Mis yes, misophonia. I have it. Yeah. I have it too, Lindsay. We'll, we'll, we'll get in a support group later. <laughs> we have so many questions for you about cereal. But first, <laughs> just take it back for us. How did you start this website? How, what happened? How did you start the podcast? Well, it was over six years ago. Well, I mean, it was much more than six years ago when I first started loving cereal, as most people do, <laughs> as a young as a young lad. Uh, <laughs> but six years ago, I was looking to get into the sort of online writing game and the professional writing game as well. And I obviously already really liked writing about food, as I'm sure a lot of people do, just because it's such a universal topic. Everyone's got opinions on food. Everyone obviously has lived experience with food. And it's a great way of bringing people together. But I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to write about at first. My first sort of break into writing about food was for a blog called The Impulsive Buy, which does all kinds of reviews for new snack food, new fast food, and things like that. And I was like a staff writer there writing a couple reviews a month. But eventually I got to a point where I wanted to write more often. And I decided to stake off on my own and start a blog. And knowing that I would never be able to, as one person, be able to compete with a site like that in covering all kinds of food, uh, I figured I should really carve out a niche for myself. So I looked around and at the time, there's been a lot more serial blogs and coverage since, uh, but at the time it was kind of an unexplored area where no one was really dedicated to this uber-specific division of the junk food, you know, snackosphere, if you will. So. I just dove right in and I guess the rest is history in that way. It seemed that there was a very unexpectedly large subculture of people who are specifically interested in cereal. And I quickly learned how good of a topic it is to hyper-focus on just because new stuff is coming out so often, so much more often than you might think. So it never has ever really dried up in terms of new content. So I'm always able to write at least a few things a week just to keep up to date on stuff. Did you ever foresee this? Like, what? <laughs> I mean, are you sick of cereal? Like how much cereal can one man consume? Yeah. It, it's a complicated relationship, especially <laughs> the longer that I do this. <laughs> I was definitely reaching a point where it felt sort of pointless. And I mean, there are a lot of times where I'll feel like, you know, the older I get, the less trustful I get of big corporations. And I know there's all kinds of problematic undertones to mass production and the consumerism of cereal and the predatory marketing and very bad things like that. And it was getting me down a lot. And that's why I'm infinitely thankful that we started this podcast. And, you know, I was never really much of a podcast fan myself, so I didn't know the McElroy brothers at all. <gasps> uh, but apparently Justin was a fan of my writing style and he tweeted at me saying that I should start a podcast based on cereal. And I looked at his many hundreds of thousands of followers and I'm like, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do, to be honest. Um, do you want to join me? Yes. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he already had this idea of doing 
a meditative cereal podcast just because in his own personal experience, he found the process of eating cereal to be very calming, chill, a very self-contained, like exploded moment almost where you have this meal that's very individualized and ritualized and there's different things to consider about the shape of the bowl that you use, obviously what cereal and milk that you choose, the spoon that you choose, uh, the speed at which you eat it, what you focus on while you're eating it. And it eventually just boils down to this being a form of escapism, but not one that's like literally taking you out of reality to the detriment of your psychological progression or whatever, but it's just this little... I feel that taking ourselves out of reality would be really positive for our psyches at this point in time. It is good, obviously, but you don't want to necessarily waste your whole life with rose-colored glasses on and be blind (laughs) to reality, but cereal is a a good short snack and step outside of that that I think is very valuable. So the more I started to understand his philosophy and start doing the podcast and seeing these absolutely insane types of comments and feedback that we get from people who are very much helped, like psychologically and sleep-wise especially, we didn't really expect that people would fall asleep to our show, but it's by far... The number one response that we get is that it's a very, very strong sleep aid for people who have had insomnia and nighttime anxiety and things like that. Yeah. And that has gone a really long way towards remedying my concerns about whether I'm just like a corporate cereal shill or something. Now that I realize that (laughs) it's because cereal is so pointless that people are able to use it as sort of... um, this window into to momentary bliss. <laughs> Allie, this might be just the thing you need. D- did my religion just change? I know, right? <laughs> I think I just converted to something. I can't tell what it is, but I love this. <laughs> well, I have lots of questions about your particular serial rituals. Mm-hmm. This is a multi-part question, so get ready. <laughs> Do you have a specific cereal bowl and spoon? What is the best post-cereal milk? Like, which cereal makes the best milk for drinking after the cereal is done? Mm -hmm. And what is the worst cereal you've ever (laughs) had to experience? Mm. My favorite cereal bowl and spoon. Like, my ideal is a bit different than what I usually have on hand. I've gotten a lot of different, like, promotional bowls and spoons over the years because... One thing that's very interesting about cereal blogging also is how much PR stuff that you get sent in the mail. Like, <laughs> In addition to having new cereals pop up on my doorstep, I get all kinds of zany, personalized things like that. Cool. And you know, the, the bowls that they send aren't anything too crazy. There's just your typical bowl with my blog's name on it sometimes. <laughs> uh, but I do really like a square bowl or uh, any bowl with corners mm. really, I think is extremely underrated because it, like when you have a round cereal bowl, it can be hard to really, you know, corral and shepherd the pieces because you don't have this corner to sort of wedge <laughs> them against you and get them into your spoon. Mm. And as well with that, if you have a corner, it makes it all that much easier to sort of drink down the milk at the end too, because it's a nice little shoot or flume that it all goes towards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I totally get that. I did. I was talking about cereal spoons on Twitter recently as well on the Cerealistly account. And I was trying to see if people preferred to use bigger spoons or smaller spoons. And I think it's an interesting dichotomy there because obviously with something like cereal, a lot of people will be like, yeah, give me the biggest spoon so I can eat as much cereal as possible at once. And then there might be some <laughs> who are more meditatively minded who want a smaller spoon to really prolong the experience. 
And I think I lean towards a smaller spoon, but I also like a longer spoon just for the hand feel of it. And also like the deeper the spoon, the better because... Is anyone else just like vaguely turned on or is that... Is it only... (laughs) (laughs) Go on. (laughs) Do go on. (laughs) A long, deep spoon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) A spoon with a nice, strong... concavity to it um, so that you can get a lot of milk and cereal in the spoonful at the same time. So something underrated is to use like an actual tablespoon, maybe. So you're actually getting a microcosm of the whole cereal bowl in each spoonful. (laughs) And I think that's really effective. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned that there's actually a quite a large subculture that you've tapped into. So can you tell us about this subculture, about the fans you have, and about how these projects picked up steam? Because as a layperson, I wouldn't have seen that coming, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's the most, like, tightly formed subculture and that people aren't necessarily identifying as serial fans or serial fanatics or anything like that. It's something that I think is very adjacent or has a lot of overlap with other sort of communities of, like, nostalgic folks from people who are looking back on the the 70s, the 80s, and 90s, the golden age of cereal, you know, people who really like old video games or old cartoons, which were things naturally complementary to cereal consumption as well. Uh, As well as, weirdly enough, there's a lot of, like, professional wrestling fans who are also super into cereal, just because I think the colorful, imaginative, over-the-top nature of cereal has a lot of parallels to something similarly outlandish like that. And I think having the edible equivalent of something zany like a cartoon or a video game goes a long way towards making cereal popular. And it's like the only food stuff I would say that has a really rich mythos of like characters and universes of interaction and like commercials with recurring narratives and things like that. So it it distinguishes itself from other food subcultures like that where it's definitely not about like the pretension of the quality ingredients or the super fancy method that you use to prepare uh, like a steak or something like that and unlike other foods that are very like socially driven and family or cultural heritage driven cereal while it is something that you can eat with other people i find tends to be very individualized as well, not only because of people's different tastes, their different preparation rituals, but also what I was talking about earlier, where people like to just have that little moment to themselves where they can appreciate the bowl and the delicate ratio of crispiness to sogginess and things like that. Oh, speaking of taste, it's my fault for asking a multi-part question, but what cereal makes the best milk? Hmm, that is a tough one. Uh, I would have to say Golden Grahams just because I think that's a really good all-arounder. I disagree. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's because she likes Lucky Charms, but I think that's just because she's weird. And Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I mean, come on. Well, CTC is good, but I mean, Golden (laughs) Grahams, very, very good milk. Girl, you call CTC CTC, so clearly you're into that one. (laughs) No, I love it. I'm just saying Golden Grahams is like... It's like CTC milk plus honey. Mm-hmm. Sidebar, Lindsay, let's have a sleepover and eat some CTC. <laughs> Dead serious. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. But the, here's the thing. CTC is so good dry as well. It does, you like, eat, it's just a great snack all around. Honestly, I think all, that's true of all cereal, I would say. Absolutely not. All kids cereals. Not no. like fucking the wheat <laughs> things with nothing on it. 
But like Lucky Charms, Cheerio, Cheerios are a great snack, you know. <laughs> I want to know what the nastiest cereal you've ever tried is. Did you seek this cereal out or did someone say, hey, this is gross? Try it out. Well, this is not my official answer because it's technically my own fault for doing it, but I've eaten a couple expired cereals before just for the spectacle of it. Like I ate like a five-year-old box of Fruit Brute that was really bad. And one of my personal most nostalgic cereals was the Neopets cereal that came out because I am a child of the 90s. Wait, that was a a cereal? Neopets Island Berry Crunch. (laughs) Okay. Uh, and I always really loved that one. And obviously, because it was like a licensed tie-in cereal, it didn't mm-hmm. last very long. And uh, one of the friends I've made to the cereal community, his name's Gabe Fonseca, who runs a YouTube channel called Cereal Time, uh, which I would recommend checking out. And he also has an insane collection of cereal boxes. He's been like on the Today Show before talking about his cereal library of, of retro boxes and he's been a big help over the years in sending me some stuff and we've just become friends and one year he sent me a still sealed box of the neopets cereal despite it being expired for 11 years at that time i think Mm-mm. i still tried it just so i could write an informative post about it and it tasted like it was 11 years old yeah drywall soaked in expired wine basically <laughs> oh. but if we're talking about like actual fresh cereals that still tasted really bad. For National Cereal Day, one year, Post released these two flavors. Uh, It was a parody of Honey Bunches of Oats called Honey Brunches of Oats. And they were kind of hard to get. They were a chicken and waffle cereal as well as a maple bacon donut cereal. Oh, that sounds wrong. That is amazing and disgusting. The chicken and waffles one was all right. It was a good combination of salty and sweet, but the maple bacon donut was so awful. Just really, really (laughs) a dog's begging strips mixed with, you know, miscellaneous sweetness. Oh my God. And if we're not counting cereal, there's also what came out recently was the mystery flavored Pop-Tarts. Since we also sort of covered Pop-Tarts on my blog and podcast, just because I see them, it's very adjacent to cereal in terms of the culture and the the silliness of it. Yeah. Breakfast ritual. And these mystery flavored Pop-Tarts, I couldn't believe that it felt like I was being actively punked while I ate them. (laughs) They were very cheesy, in my opinion, at least, (laughs) and very... Oh, it's so hard to describe. They were like garlicky and oniony. And it turns out they were supposed to be like everything bagel flavored Pop-Tarts, but yikes! an absolute trick that mm. they played on the world with that one, especially because at first you could only get them in boxes of like 16. Ew. I ended up just, you know, trolling some of my friends by asking them what they thought of it. Wow. That truly sounds nasty. <laughs> I can't even imagine pretending to want to eat an everything <laughs> bagel Pop-Tart. What? That's... What? Why would they do that? If we were going to have a mystery flavor Pop-Tart, it should be like lemon custard, (laughs) you know, something that makes sense. Everything bagel is more savory. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And we think of Pop-Tarts as more sweet, but I don't know. I think everything bagel works on everything. But Mm -mm. uh, so, okay, let's let's go back to the fan base, though. Like, how are they interacting? How did this first blow up? Was it immediate? I mean, what was the journey here? Also, you've got some famous fans. Who is your most famous fan and why is it Lin-Manuel Miranda? (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, he's certainly the most famous fan that I'm aware of just because he's already, he's collaborated with the McElroy brothers before. So he's familiar with their body of work. And it was a surprise to me to hear that he also really loved our show in particular. In terms of the fan base, it's kind of hard to compartmentalize everyone just because the people who listen to the podcast specifically aren't necessarily quite the same people a lot of the time as the ones who are following like the blog for up to the minute news about latest cereal products. I think people who listen to the podcast are more interested in the total ridiculousness of the subject matter rather than like a serious vested interest in trying every new cereal. So there is an interesting intersection of groups there between people who are just really nostalgic for this old food stuff and looking to try the newest thing on the market, as well as people who are just looking to check out and hear other people talk about something that they would probably never hunt down and try for themselves, especially people who listen to our show from like overseas, where there's literally no country in the world that has a serial game even close to America's. There's just no limit to the breadth of the serial aisle here. Which is not not great. No, not a great thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a diabetes epidemic, right. yeah. <laughs> but okay, God blame cereal. I'm gonna blame cereal a little bit. I'm not blaming our guest, but I am gonna blame cereal a little bit. <laughs> you know, we get kids hooked while they're young, and that's not a great recipe. <laughs> but yeah, there are definitely international voyeurs who like to just sort of like watching animals at a zoo, see how crazy the cereal game gets over here. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, so uh, there are like times of year that are very important to the cereal community. And it seems like, I mean, especially Halloween and then weirdly New Year's, which I didn't know about until looking through your website, but like usually new cereals are announced at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure why the start of the year tends to be so popular mm. for new cereals. It might just be like a business, like fiscal planning sort of thing. I'm not too mm. knowledgeable about the actual, <laughs> you know, industrial process behind it but it does it is a bit confusing considering how many people tend to make new year's resolutions to eat healthier and then they are beset on all sides by all this tempting news that comes out <laughs> uh, but yeah it tends to be pretty pretty high variety what comes out at the start of the year versus something like halloween where the cereals are actually focused around the seasonality and the theming of you know your general mills monster cereals your halloween captain crunch and not so many new pumpkin spice cereals as much as there used to be. It was pretty insane for a while, but I think they're sort of <laughs> backing off that trend. <laughs> Dan, I would, I would love to pivot a little bit, actually. Um, when I went to listen to The Empty Bowl Show, I was shocked to find that there are a shit ton of competitors. I thought I would type cereal, spelled like cereal. Like the food. <laughs> into my podcast app and I would get mm. your show. But <laughs> I got a ton of cereal podcasts. What is the deal? And how do you guys differentiate yourselves? Is it the meditation or what? Yeah, I'm not too close into following other cereal podcasts. I know that there have been some. Yeah, fuck them. But to the best of my knowledge, there aren't a lot that are still <laughs> actively releasing. So what I'm hearing is you've dominated the market. I mean, I would say that we're the most popular covering the topic. And a lot of that is just inheriting the McElroy brothers already strong fan base, so to speak, even though we're probably like one of the least popular comparatively compared to their other podcasts. But I think I was very lucky to start with a co-host who already had a strong following in that way. That's what I did. Oh, it's not the same, but thank you, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the meditative angle I think is really unique too, just because it's it's more than just 
two dudes trying to give you their opinions on cereal. And it's also doubles as a mindfulness tool in like the weirdest sort of way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We appear in like the health and fitness category on like Apple podcasts or something like that. That's funny. (laughs) That's like how Nutella is a healthy spread because it's got nuts in it. Yeah. (laughs) Great. Elated by the jaw. (laughs) So something I really love is that you guys decided to start giving back and i think you donate to a lot of charities is that correct yeah i mean we've always been accepting listener donations just because it's a feature that's baked into the anchor platform that we use to host our show we sort of split the revenue 50 50 with half of it going to help keep my site up just to like pay the hosting fees and the other half being donated to either food shelters or homeless shelters in justin's state of west virginia lovely Okay, Allie has been showing extreme restraint, but I'm going to let you know (laughs) that's over now. (laughs) Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So, okay, if a man is left alone for a meal, is he or is he not eating cereal? Because my theory is all men, if no one is watching and they're eating a meal, it's cereal. Dan, don't tell them the secrets, okay? We got to keep it tight in here. (laughs) I mean, this just seems like something like a personal vendetta based on experience. It's a trap. It's a trap. No, I just think that men are 60% cereal. Like in my experience, if a man is left to his own devices, he'll have a bowl of cereal. Nothing wrong with that. I would just like you to confirm or deny that most men are 60% cereal. I would say yes. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here. Matt, I'm going to need that as a sound clip. You got it. Ringtone. I mean, I wouldn't knock the idea of cereal as an actual meal if you're willing to be intelligent about the cereal that you choose as well as the additional. I was going to say plating, but it's more like bowling which isn't really a thing. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're adding fruit to it or adding nuts, or I guess fruit's probably the only really logical thing to add. I'm trying to make a case here that's not really based in (laughs) something that people actually do because I don't know too many people who put fruit in their cereal. But I just think that you can make cereal healthy if you're getting something higher fiber and higher protein, even though that's not what people are apt to do. But It hits the spot sometimes, especially since I eat cereal mostly as a late night snack anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the days of me eating cereal in the morning is long past. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Allie, there you go. Your long theory has Mm -hmm. been confirmed. Mm -hmm. I'm done here. That's amazing. This is making me think of two other things. One is that Dan has only referred to cereal as a snack primarily throughout this interview. And that might be your personal preference, Dan, but I all, I, we came into this being like, dudes are going to eat a meal, but maybe, maybe this is more of a snack food and not a meal food as an adult. (laughs) I read an interview with you. The, The interview stated he eats it daily, especially as a midnight snack. At one point in college, having about four bowls per day. So, But that's college. I'm just saying, Whoa. listen, I'm no shame, no shade. I'm just saying, men, 60% made of cereal. I think college students are just <laughs> made of cereal. College people, college men. Now, college boys, it's like 80 to 90%, yeah. let's be serious. <laughs> but I think among adult men, 60% cereal. And I, I subscribe to this theory, and I'm also going to add like, cereal is delicious, but also... I don't want to fucking cook something. (laughs) Matt is 60% cereal and 40% chicken parmesan. (laughs) (laughs) 
that, even that's too much work. Do I have to hit more than three buttons on a microwave? Then I'm fucking yeah, out. You yeah, know what I'm saying? I, you know, I don't. My God, yeah. Matt. So yeah. it's the easiest. It is the easiest meal to make, and that is why. Yeah, Matt's been holding out on me. He's agreed the whole time. Fully in. I'm, fully in. I'm rubbing my heart because I'm worried about Matt's. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> You should be worried about all men. <laughs> no, they're fine. Men have it really tough, Lindsay. They're no. 60% cereal. I can't worry about all of them. I'll find one and commit my life to that one, and I'll worry about that one only. The rest of them are on their own. Fair. Do we want to talk about what a psycho John Kellogg was? And how are you rebuilding the cereal history here? Ooh, yeah. Cereal scandals. I mean, I don't think I have to do that much effort when cereal has kind of weirded itself out of those connotations to begin with. I do think it's pretty funny how something like cornflakes started with the intention of being a bland, anti-masturbatory foodstuff, and now you've got Kellogg's <laughs> willingly releasing like Little Debbie oatmeal cream pie-themed cereals. <laughs> so it just seems like the market itself has uh, kind of done all of the mutating that it might need to. So I don't think we'd be having a, a cereal blog and podcast if things were still as boring and anti-pleasure based. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there are definitely some serial scandals. We were earlier talking about the shrimp tails situation. Do you have any thoughts on the cinnamon toast shrimp tail scandal? No, because the dude behind it was not a good person and I'm pretty <gasps> sure it was fake. So... How do you feel about Topanga, though? What's like, should she leave him? What's going on here? Uh, I kind of checked out of that narrative a long time ago. So, what happens oh. when your husband gets <laughs> me too? Like, how do people handle that? I mean, some people double down and some people leave. I don't know. <laughs> you just have to make sure you're not marrying a total dickhead when you jump in. It's really hard to do. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I think it is. I think it might be. I just really don't think it is. Then why are we still single, Lindsay? <laughs> because we're not marrying total dickheads. There you go. <laughs> Look, you do a background check on every Tinder match and then you got yourself covered. It's fine. Oh my God, with Tinder now, you can pay for a background check. I'm like, let me get this straight. You, really? You can see a, it's a market opportunity. Oh, uh, women are in danger. Let's, they can pay. Like what? We can see sell them let's charge them <laughs> to keep them safe Insane. okay so yes we we also decided that that dude was a total wrapped up piece of shit and it was probably a lie but there have to be some things that are big serial scandals well maybe not even scandals but like big news in the serial world i feel like for me it was like when kashi became big that was huge and like Right now, there are all these like keto, paleo, high protein cereals, and that seems like the new wave, like Magic Spoon and other things. Lindsay's tapped in. I'm beginning to be concerned that Lindsay is 40% cereal. <laughs> yeah, no, your girl loves cereal. It's true. But um, yeah, so I'm just wondering, like, is keto cereal the, the new big thing in cereal right now? Or is that, or are there bigger stories? I mean, there's definitely layers to that. I think we try to be on our show very supportive of these like indie cereal startups that are, you know, something like a Magic Spoon or this recent brand called Off Limits, which is sort of like a countercultural cereal brand that's trying to 
you know, really go against some of the notions of cereal and like they're really into making diverse mascots to counter the fact that there aren't really any female cereal mascots at all. So in a lot of those cases, mm. like the problem is the cereal will be a lot more expensive than something you'd find in stores. So I think that's the main challenge that they run into and the main reason why like as much as I like what Magic Spoon and the like are trying to do, it's not a specialty diet that I subscribe to. So it can be hard for me to actually review them objectively, knowing that I'm not the target audience. But I do know that much less likely to be sympathetic when it's a bigger cereal company trying to jump on that very same trend. Like mm. General Mills did these Wonderworks keto cereals that came out earlier this year, and they were just downright trash and terrible, and they still were priced a lot more than the average bowl of cereal. So I think if there's heart behind it, like if it's a smaller business, then I'm just going to assume that they have their own market and I can try and compare between them and see which one is actually the most tolerable. And just in general, trying to <laughs> lift up these smaller companies that are going against the giant corporate behemoths. And I do like that trend, even if even if it's not always for me, I guess. And, you know, there's others like recently there's been a trend of like bar based cereals that are also they're coming out from bigger cereal companies just using some of their sub brand names like the Lara bar cereal or like an RX bar cereal or a kind bar cereal. Mm. And those are also like super ultra premium cereals that cost six to $7 per box and trying to be all about the health benefits, which are, you know, they might have more protein and fiber than your average cereal, but it's not even going to compare to eating a bar by the same brand. So mm. I think if you're going to be releasing a premium cereal that ups the cost to the consumer, then and it should at least be coming from the heart and from a company you can feel better about giving all that extra money to. I like that. That's cool. Something else that I am very interested in. Well, first of all, I like what you said, how, you know, cereal is, it's weirdly male for no reason. And I find like cereal to be pretty whitewashed weirdly and I don't understand why that is except for society. <laughs> do you have any thoughts on why that might be? Well, Lindsay, why do you feel that way in the sense that you love cereal? I do love cereal, but there's no leprechauns that look like me. Well, I mean, for instance, the two hosts of your show are two white men. You know, I think that the people that like get to talk about and be passionate about cereal just aren't me. And maybe it's my thing. I need to take it up. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to start <laughs> a challenging cereal podcast. But I, yeah, and I think it's just more so that like niche, odd, nostalgic, geeky things happen to be like taken up by white men. But yeah, I think I think that that feels. Um, yeah. Accurate. <laughs> but I think that, uh, you know, everyone can have diabetes. It's for everybody, you know. So. And even more so for my people. <laughs> there you go. So. Are we out here eating cereal, y'all. Maybe cereal's for you. <laughs> Is it any more whitewashed than like literally fucking everything all products society yeah it's just like <laughs> and then also like there's a i don't know what you want to call it like a nostalgia gap where because in the 70s and 80s everything was marketed to you know all the mascots and pictures and characters and commercials were white girls or white boys doing their things and marketing to those people and then now as adults we are nostalgic for that culture the the serial cinematic universe that surrounded serial as Dan was was alluding to earlier and all of it's white now hopefully that's changing now but like 
we are nostalgic for a marketing culture that was not serving you as a kid and so is that part of the reason why we are looking back and and it's it's there's a, there's people missing from the equation. Does that make any sense? Well, here's the thing, like cereal, like if you think about it, all the mascots, there are so many mascots that aren't human. Mm -hmm. So it shouldn't be exclusive. Like there's Toucan Sam, Mm -hmm. Tony the Tiger, the Trix Rabbit. Like it's just a lot of non-human mascots. So it shouldn't be racialized. I mean, the Rice Krispies elves are pretty white. (laughs) (laughs) All three of them. Yeah, and Captain Crunch is white, and the, but my my yeah. larger point here is when ki- when you see kids on television being like, "Thanks, Toucan Sam, this cereal's great." Those were white kids, right? If, if anything, there's just no Asian people. Uh, <laughs> but like all the kids following the Tricks Rabbit, Tricks are for kids. They were black and white. Okay. Well, you heard it here. Um, things are white, and men are sixty percent cereal. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I think everything you're saying. It's pretty accurate. We're definitely privileged as two white dudes hosting a podcast to be able to really revel in this culture that I think you're especially right that it's kind of a symptom of everything, especially in terms of consumerism and serialness isn't really all that different, which is why part of the reason why I think the longer I do this and, you know, the less into being sort of a PR vehicle, I feel like being the more I'm hoping to, again, celebrate something like a meditative aspect where you can look past the branding to a certain extent and hopefully find some more universal human insight there. And, you know, also trying to celebrate what bits of diversity there may be like within the off-limits cereal brand or supporting the cereal cafe that opened down the street from me, which is, you know, black owned, family owned, community owned, and trying to find spots of brightness like that. What is the cereal cafe? It's called the East Town Cereal Cafe here in Grand Rapids. I did a little review of it on an episode a while back. They specialize in cereal infused milkshakes and waffles, and they're very talented there. Mm. Mm. What? See, there's also a, a place in Brooklyn where you can have spoons and tunes, at least pre-pandemic, <laughs> and they would play cartoons and you could eat cereal, but it was for adults. <laughs> oh my god, that's great! Oh hell yes! <laughs> wow, this is amazing. Well, okay, so that's very cool, and I'm glad to know about that cafe in Grand Rapids. When I go to Michigan, I'll just go there on purpose. <laughs> I'm ready to go to Grand Rapids now. I wasn't sure before, but I'm in. <laughs> Dan, please tell us where the serial community is finding each other online outside of, you know, your blog and your podcast. What are some great places to find other serial lovers? Uh, I would say the majority of my interactions would happen on Twitter. I think Twitter tends to be a lot more nostalgically oriented. I think because serial is, again, something very universal, you're going to find people who are into the topic on different platforms. And I used to post a lot more on Instagram just because snack food uh, and junk food pages tend to get a lot more interaction and followers there. But I was finding that it tends to be really popular amongst like the fitness community just because people who are eating a lot of calories and bulking a lot are interested in things like cereal that they can, you know, really dig into. But 
I, as someone who is very much not a bodybuilder or into <laughs> extreme fitness in that way, was not finding it to be the most rewarding for having conversations about the serial topics that I was interested in. So I tended to gravitate more towards Twitter, even though the overall followership isn't quite as high. There's also a serial subreddit, which is a really, really strange place. <laughs> not surprising. R slash serial is where you'll find the most widest variety of people talking about like actual new serial news or just posting really strange tidbits or memes or things like that. And I like to go there and observe it like the <laughs> wild, wild west of online serial discussion because that's I've still found like random news leads there that I never heard about anywhere else. So I think it's continuing to grow and they're starting to take themselves more seriously as a community. Wow. That's amazing. Beautiful. I love that. I love that this is such a huge community. <laughs> there should be some kind of like serial box art fan sites somewhere. Yeah. And just to bring it full circle, I'm sure that that overlaps with Tony the Tiger porn, which is rampant on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what pushed him off Twitter, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. We've covered that, actually, if you, if you guys recall. Oh, yeah. I mean, Lindsay wouldn't, wouldn't, may not remember, but uh, the, the, the furries were strong, were on, uh, on Twitter. And they were they were vocal wow. with Tony. <laughs> I love it. Poor Tony. He got me too. <laughs> or no, he got sexually harassed. Yeah. He me too the furries. I don't know. Well, anyway. Well, Dan, this has been so enlightening. Thank you for your time. Thank you for validating my long-held belief <laughs> that men are 60% cereal. That's what I'm taking away from this. And uh, I, I try to avoid cereal for health reasons, but now I'm excited to get high with Lindsay and have some sweet day sweet. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a great time. Wow. Dan is very cool. And I love how he's like, hey, Paleo cereal sounds not for me, but you know, I'll give it a chance. That's the type. That's the type of person you're looking for. Someone who will give it a chance. And by paleo cereal, you mean uh, Fruity Pebbles, the Flintstones, the Flintstones cereal? <laughs> paleo, right? Oh my gosh. Did you hear? Oh my gosh. I cannot believe I didn't bring this up. But Ulta, oh, maybe he talked about this on his podcast as well, but Ulta or some kind of beauty line is doing a Flintstones cereal pebbles branded beauty line where yes, like, was in the, his latest episode <laughs> oh my god i can't believe we didn't talk about that what? like <laughs> yikes and a half i think it just means like a lot of jewel tones but they were like <laughs> on on the empty bowl they read the the like press release for it and it was like <laughs> go back to the paleo like i don't know go back to the stone age with these cool jewel tone makeup <laughs> i'm i'm doing it terribly but that's how it felt listening to it anyway i'm very confused by yes we have correct. flintstones cereal <laughs> and we have flintstones <laughs> vitamins and it's like hey kids your favorite characters are in your in your vitamins and it's like what fucking kid watches the flintstones it's not even on television <laughs> nor is it i don't know where you could even stream it zero children are watching the flintstones and yet products are still out there what who is buying these 10 million stones and growing <laughs> <laughs> i mean honestly i think about that with disney right like disney has just the best fucking branding like kids 
of all generations just like know those characters. But like, but Matt, that your, makes more sense. But, but that your makes kids more sense. Yeah. watch Mickey Mouse? Yes. Yeah. Let me tell you okay. why. Okay. Because on Disney Plus, they have created m- newer, more modern, more. They are drawn in a hand-drawn retro style. They're actually like super retro looking, but they're very um, frenetic and kinetic. They're very fast the way modern cartoons are. So the answer to your question is, yes, they are absolutely watching DuckTales and Mickey Mouse cartoons and Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Those are huge. Ain't no fucking Flintstones reboot happening. So who is buying the Flintstones products? It's so interesting. And Matt, you built a brand in the 60s to sell cereal and it's still going for some reason. That's very interesting to me. It's true. It's wild. But I I think it's just that that jingle, like... Is still with the parents, and they're like, the "We're the Flintstones jingle. kids." Here, let me get that for my kid. Oh, well, they yeah, make it I gummy mean, I now, so it's not a chalky, nasty version of Barney <laughs> that you have to like chew up, which is weirdly cannibalistic. <laughs> but I also think you make a good point where it's like, how much? And I don't know. Matt is the one here that w- that might, but like, how much of parenting is passing down the things that you're nostalgic for? Yeah, but that's where Disney is ac- absolutely genius yeah, re- because yeah, they're re- you pass yeah. it down and it's like, and here's the new version for the kids. So like when you perpetuate the nostalgia, then you perpetuate the marketing, which perpetuates the products, which then cycles back into the, like Pokemon is very, is doing this incredibly well. There's a lot of brands doing this well. And I like, I don't know where Hanna-Barbera is in the <laughs> ecosystem. It, where did it go? I, I don't, it's strange. It's very interesting. Somebody else owns Hanna-Barbera now, right? Like yeah. it's, it's not still Hanna-Barbera. They, they, I'm sure it's part of Viacom or whatever. But, yeah, uh, something. Yeah. Okay. It's also something- wild that like all these very kidsy things are, are corporate entities, you know? <laughs> sure. Mickey, Mickey's working for the man. He's really... Uh, they always were to an extent, but uh, yeah. now they really... Like, somebody owns something, owns everything. And it's, yeah. it's, it's Disney, it's Viacom. It's one of these at this point. Yeah, that makes me sort of sad about Star Wars. I feel like Star Wars mm-hmm. is really becoming that kind of franchise yeah. entity. But mm-hmm. anyway, what were you going to say, Lindsay? But you know what? We'll always have Star Trek. Weirdly independent forever. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. They, I think they're owned by Paramount, actually. Oh, owned, owned by CBS. But I just remembered what I was thinking about when I was talking about how cereal is, is weirdly white and how white people like feel ownership over it. There, there was a Cheerios commercial in like 2013, 2014 that had a couple, a mom and a dad, a white mom, a black dad, and their biracial child because hello when you make a child with someone who doesn't anyway um, mm, okay. this, this <laughs> little stopping to explain genetics i don't know people people <laughs> seem sh- shocked that this is what happened but like this adorable little biracial child who's probably now a college student she was talking to her mom and was like mom is it true that cheerios are good for your heart and the mom was like yeah according to the box this is this this and she reads all these things and then the little girl's like, okay, I was just checking. And then cut to later, the dad is sitting up from the couch and then all these Cheerios slide down because the little girl had poured Cheerios onto his heart to help him have a good heart. Uh. It was so cute. And yet 
white people were mad. I don't know why they were mad. I could not figure it out. And I was like, well, I don't even have to worry because these white people are wild. Little did I know it's those exact white people who pick the next president. (laughs) I should have been worried. (laughs) That was the sign. (laughs) was the sign uh, of the fall of society once again you heard it here we're living in a dystopia that commercial sounds adorable oh my god it's so cute you know whoever came up with that storyboard it's that's cute i'm into it It, it's well done it's so cute all right tweet us a picture of you eating your ctc (laughs) i'm at ali goldie a l l i underscore g o l d i on all platforms and I'm at the Lindsay Life, T H E L I N D S E Y L I F E across all platforms. If you want to chat, if you want to hang out, we got a Facebook group. Go search Two Girls One Podcast. We finally made a Facebook group. And uh, you can find us on Discord, discord.gg slash 2G1P. We're also, as you could tell, taking recommendations from our listeners. And you can email us. That is 2G1Podcast at gmail.com. Still waiting for more husbandry applications. Yes, I will that continue to call it husbandry. I don't care. I don't care. Um, and you can I leave hope us we a actually voicemail. get someone who wants <laughs> like to farm animals, raise animals like, with yeah. us platonically. You know what? Honestly, the apocalypse is now, and I think a man who knows how to farm is a great mm-hmm. asset. Mm-hmm. Farmersonly.com, baby, here we come. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, which, if yeah, that still what? exists, what are we doing? We got to get that. Oh, you're get, right. You're right. <gasps> oh my gosh, guys! I just pitched our next episode. I did it. Nice accident. <laughs> it's beautiful. That's right. All right, we'll sidebar on that. Anywho, you can also leave us a voicemail, which we love, love, love. It's so much fun to hear your voices. That number is three four seven eight seven one six five four eight. That number again three four seven eight seven one six lit and. Last but definitely not least, and maybe I already said it, but I'll say it again, patreon.com slash 2G1P. Thank you so much, everyone. See ya. Bye. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Lindsay Ford and Allison Goldberg, then consumed weekly to discourage masturbation. I mean, produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Additional editing by Avital Ayler. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. Damn, this is so good.